going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in his bedroom is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody? Hey, everybody. What's going on? Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, We know that you guys will definitely enjoy this episode, so stay there and don't move, and please enjoy. Well, 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 Cody. Uh, Another week in the books. Man, it was a it was a good week. It was a good week for us, at least. Uh, we had the uh, Lakers win the uh, 2020 uh, pandemic championship uh, bubble, COVID nineteen, whatever you want to call it. We still won the NBA championship, so that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to the Lakers. Uh, also, the Raiders had a huge upset against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs or the Chefs, and. Uh, Man, uh, Chef Carr was uh, was cooking him up pretty good, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we get into all that, oh, and the Dodgers are down 0-2 in the series. That That's pretty cool, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before we get into all that, Cody, how you doing, man? Oh, it's a good week when the Raiders win and the Lakers win at the same time. And you forgot to mention this, but I'll do it for you. Uh, San Francisco got completely blown out by the dolphins there is nothing it was, it was a good week it's been a great week so far this is a good shellacking by the dolphins by ryan fitz magic baby that's right fitz and magic. jimmy g got benched on his first game back so <laughs> well that's because you know they're worried about his injury is what they said <laughs> sure yeah we'll yeah we'll, we'll we'll see we'll, about that we'll go with that <laughs> uh man it it was it it was a good week i know for us like we've been saying um you know i i want to go i want to talk about the lakers obviously won their uh the their 17th championship as an organization uh boston celtics fans are all over twitter going oh no you guys only won 12 in los angeles you guys won five when you were in Minneapolis. Yeah, but it's still the Lakers organization. The so franchise as people. much as much as you want to complain, no, we're still the best. You're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, you're not the best. Um, so uh, LeBron James uh, helping out his legacy even more. Uh, I'm a little upset that we're still that we're having this Jordan James conversation. We can't talk about what a great win it was. We have to talk about, oh, it was a great win for LeBron. Is he better than Jordan? Like, why does it always have to go there? Why can't we just enjoy it? We can talk about it in the offseason. No, it's got to be right away. But uh, congratulations to the Lakers, as we said before. Um, I mean, uh, Cody, I don't know how much of the game that you watched. But, I mean, I I do want to start here. Um, you know, do you do you agree that LeBron James should have won the finals MVP? Yeah, for sure. I mean, clearly he was doing everything on the floor. I know that he had AD with him who basically averaged the second most points of that series, um, which has only been done by Shaq and Kobe, the previous uh, duo Laker championship. So honestly, um, yeah, LeBron definitely deserved it. He averaged, what was it, eight and a half assists. Uh, nearly 12 rebounds, averaged 28 and a half points. Yeah, he he was the he was definitely the key factor in the Lakers um, winning. Um, I know that in pivotal game five, even when AD went out for a little bit, because of him being on the court and him basically carrying the team, even though we lost, he, they he kept them still in the game, even though AD 
got injured partially and then came back later in the game. Um, you know, they didn't slip up because LeBron was still on the court. And you can definitely tell, like, LeBron needed to be on the floor at all times in order to make sure that that team was operating well. Only, only having a LeBron-led team will have players like Alex Kuz, uh, Alex, uh, uh, God, I'm... Is Kyle it, Kuzma or Alex Caruso? Alex Caruso. I don't know why I was just trying to say <laughs> Kuzma at the same time, but Caruso... <laughs> basically elevating his play a former G League player elevating him to where he's basically yeah. playing well around LeBron um you know i really do think that LeBron elevated AD with basically his his passion and his drive to want to win a championship i really think that he LeBron pulled the best out of all of his uh, guys you know KCP being an example um you know even Rajon, uh, Rajon Rondo even though he's really yeah. great in the playoffs i really think that that helped elevate his game because there's two two you know, elite basketball minds on the court at the same time. But LeBron for sure was so instrumental. If it, if it, if LeBron wasn't on the court, Lakers probably would have been swept bottom line, even if we got into the finals, which an argument could yeah. be made. We wouldn't have made the playoffs without LeBron anyways. But, yeah, definitely LeBron des- deserved the finals MVP for sure. Let me ask you one more question. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think there's no question that LeBron should have won it. Um, Anthony had a had a really good series, um, but when LeBron made it a point that all right, I'm taking over this game. I mean, you saw the impact that he had versus when Anthony Davis tried to take over the game. I mean, there were some big moments, but it wasn't all the time. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, does this does this officially say that LeBron James is the best player in the NBA right now. In today so talking about right now, like in right today's now NBA. in today's game. Yes, yeah. he is. At what is he at now? Age thirty six, right? Yeah, he's gonna turn thirty six. At yeah, age like at age thirty six, he has led his third NBA team to his tenth final appearance to win his fourth championship in his fourth finals MVP. Granted, he good? has... Uh, huh? Is that good? I mean, <laughs> he's he's been to the finals MVP more than half of his career. Um, so so I, think that's, I think that's pretty good. The only thing I would say is a knock against him, and I'm really just bringing this up. He has six losses, but I think just the fact of him getting into the finals for so many years, and at one point, wasn't it like, nine years in a row or something like that. So, you know, just that level of elevating his team and now doing it at the age of nearly 36, and that's really unprecedented because how many NBA players are um, averaging nearly 28 points, leading their team in rebounds and assists, minutes played, and leading them to championships. By far and away, um, LeBron James is the best player in the world right now in today's game. Is there some competition whenever KD comes back and is healthy? Yes. Um, an argument could be made that Steph Curry is in that only because of what he's done in the game for the three-point shooting. But bottom line is LeBron is the one that has made the biggest impact and elevated his team to where they're at. And you can say Giannis, too, if you want to make that argument. But Giannis got bounced in the second round. Or actually exactly. in the first round, I think. Wasn't it? Anyways, Giannis got Giannis got bounced in the playoffs, and LeBron didn't. So yeah. I think that's that case is closed for the best in the game right now. And you can make the you can make the case too with Giannis, and and I don't mean this to be a Giannis bashing session, but you can make the case that Giannis 
didn't elevate his team. He elevated his game, but he didn't mm-hmm. elevate anyone else. I mean, Chris Middleton for a period was almost, they were, a lot of people were saying he's unplayable. Like, why are you still playing him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eric Bledsoe really doesn't, hadn't really shown up. Uh, Brooke Lopez, who had like a career year the last two years with the Bucks, and he didn't show up. I mean, it was, I mean, you you could say it's not on Giannis, and and I'm I'm with you on that. It's not on Giannis, but he also isn't elevating his team. Mm-hmm. LeBron, look at the series against Miami. He led the series uh, points per game, uh, rebounds per game. Uh, he was the uh, Lakers assist leader in all the games. Uh, he led with the field goal percentage. He was shooting 58.6% in this NBA Finals. That's ridiculous. And then they have listed on here uh, the Miami Heat had Miles Leonard, but, you know, he didn't really... <laughs> He didn't really play a lot, and he was at eighty-three point four. So, that I mean, that should show you that LeBron was like, he was on it. I mean, yep. he was, he was so focused in, and and uh, you know, I was I was right by the way. I had Lakers in six. I just, just want to put that out there. I, yeah, I, I guess we, that we but. both called that. QR. You said you said five. No, I said six. You said five. Last week, you said, I think they're going to close it out. Okay, hold on. Okay, yes, I predicted that they'd close it out. But you my predicted first them to be five. Six. No, you did not. I refute you. <laughs> I refute you in the name of debate. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to check the tape because I'm pretty certain I predicted six to start. Granted, yes, I will say game five, I was like, yeah, they will close it out. Um, however, though, when we first – when we first talked about them, I said Lakers in six. All right. I don't believe you, but. Drew's <laughs> PPs right now, guys. Okay, I've got a question for you then since uh, you brought that up. So, okay, with Giannis, essentially, you know, you mentioned he didn't elevate his team. However, we can, the argument could be made that the Bucks were probably one of the hotter teams in the NBA um, before the pandemic started. Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so. That's... There was a. We'll just say a, uh, also too. The Clippers were a hot team as well. I remember earlier in the season. You know, the Lakers had their troubles. Their first times they came around, and before the pandemic, the Lakers got a win over each Clippers and the Bucks. Tough victories, but they're victories nonetheless. If the pandemic didn't happen and the season played out just as normally, do you think the Lakers still would have won the championship? I do. I do think so. Um. Yes, the Bucks were a hot team, but the knock on the Milwaukee Bucks all year long had been, yeah, they're good right now, but can they do it in the playoffs? That was always the question. And I understand them going at the rate they were going, they were they were one of the hottest teams going into the postseason. Um, but with a lot of rest, you should have been better. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, I think there was a story of Chris Middleton even said it himself that he never um, – he didn't even touch a ball, a basketball, for like three months while they were in quarantine. And it's like, dude, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, that's not on um, 
that's not because of COVID. Like me not touching a basketball, that doesn't mean anything. It's not my job. I'm not doing. I mean, I do it for fun. But that's his job, and he's got enough money to where he should at least have a basketball hoop somewhere around his house. You know what I mean? So that I mean, I don't think this Bucks team was as focused. Um, and I don't think just because they would have kept going, Chris Middleton folded last year in the postseason. And we were all talking about, well, is Chris Middleton even a, a number two guy? And then in the regular season, he was going off, and everyone's like, oh, he's definitely a number two guy. But then we see him in a postseason again, and he's not a number two guy. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I can get the argument of maybe Milwaukee would have made it a better series against Miami. Mm-hmm. But I think Miami is just a good team in general. Yeah, I think they could have gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston. They're a really good team, and they got a break. They were just like Milwaukee where they were kind of getting on a roll too. Mm-hmm. But the difference was their team stayed focused. Um, and I think you see that with the Clippers. The Clippers all year long were not focused. They were not a team that were coming together. And they just figured, oh, it's going to work because we have Kawhi and, oh, we have you know Paul George, and, and they'll figure it out, you mm-hmm. know? And I feel like they never had that chemistry. And if and you want to talk about the Lakers, the Lakers had that chemistry from day one. They, I mean, Anthony, I remember watching game one between the Clippers and Lakers, and you could just see the chemistry of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That was the biggest chemistry. And then they, they try to get chemistry with everyone else, and it, it took a little bit, but the Lakers got there. Mm-hmm. And with Clippers, it always looked the same. They always just went to Kawhi, let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. And then Paul George a couple of times had a few good shots. And then, you know, they were taking days off, both him and and uh, Kawhi. And, um, you know, Patrick Beverly can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Montrezl Harrell had a couple of big games here and there. Zubac was basically the rebounder. I mean, it, it just – you never felt like they were an actual team. It just felt like they were kind of – they were just kind of thrown together, you know, and it, it kind of makes me wonder, like I heard a question too of, they were talking about, uh, I don't, I don't remember what show it was to be perfectly honest. Um, but they were talking about, you know, we had been talking about, well, Paul George went to the Clippers cause he wants to be the number two guy. He wants to be the number two guy. And if he goes to the Lakers, you know, um, he, he doesn't want to be the number three guy. And their their kind of was their assumption or their I guess theory was he didn't want to go to the Lakers because yeah they would see that he is a number three guy mm-hmm. and so that's why he didn't go there he went to the Clippers because he wanted to still feel like he's useful and I don't want to I don't want to poo poo on Paul George because I like him I I would have loved to see him as a Laker. Um, and I think he would have helped out a lot. And I think it would have been a better situation to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. obviously now too, in hindsight. Right. But uh, I mean, overall, I just think he would have been happier. Um, but, um, you know, it, it just, it makes me wonder like 
maybe these guys were like a little upset that Paul George was still getting that like star treatment like Kawhi was like he was taking days off and they were saying it was injuries and he was out for like two months mm-hmm. and you and I we were doing fantasy basketball and I had Paul George and like he never played hardly right I think he played like five games for me yeah and so it was just like they all seem like those Clippers like never rallied around Paul George. And I think if you look at it, if he would have went to the Lakers, like he could have taken that time off. No one would have cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because LeBron and Anthony still had that chemistry. And then you add Paul George in. Paul George would have still had that chemistry with them. And he wouldn't have had to do much. And he could gradually move up. Mm-hmm. When Paul George came back with the Clippers, Kawhi was taking a bunch of days off. So they needed George right then and there um and i i think it hurt them um but i mean i i think i don't think the break actually made a difference i think it helped every team because every team got rest Mm -hmm. every team got to see their family when they normally don't um and i you could argue that maybe one team that it did help was portland yeah and Phoenix, mm-hmm. you know, Phoenix didn't make playoffs. Phoenix, a lot of people were high on them. And they're like, man, if they would have played like this uh, from the get-go, this team would be scary. Um, you could make the argument that Denver, you know, maybe they got a lot of rest and then they felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, you could make, you could also make the argument that the Rockets, it, it didn't benefit them at all because they look like, they couldn't get going, but you could make the argument again on the opposite side of any of those teams. So I don't know. I, I don't think it made that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I think it might have been a better thing because they were all in one confined spot. They really didn't have anything to do. So all there was was basketball. And all mm-hmm. there was was if you're going to hang out with someone, hang out with your team and mm-hmm. like get that camaraderie. And that's what the Lakers did. Mm-hmm. If you see, I, I follow a lot of their Lakers on the on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. And on Instagram, like Quinn Cook, he would always post that they were like LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Rondo, uh, Kuzma. Um, you know, all these guys were like in the room, mm-hmm. in like someone's room, playing Madden. They're having like a Madden tournament, mm-hmm. or they're they're they were playing NBA 2K against each other, mm-hmm. or. Um, you know, they went out and like did something together. It was just, they were always together and I didn't see a lot of other teams do that. And I think that was an added benefit for the Lakers. And so I think the teams that knew what to do came together and stayed together. You know, I think that's why Denver was so successful. Miami was so successful because they stayed together. Um, and I think the other teams that fell apart were the teams that really weren't doing anything together, like mm-hmm. the Clippers, um, you know, like the Rockets. Um, and I, I just think, I just think honestly, if anything, I think um, it, it didn't make a it didn't make a huge difference, but it was a it was a different way to play basketball. But I think it it was really good. Like it was, it worked for the mm-hmm. teams that were serious about winning it worked for them and the teams yeah. that weren't it just kind of pushed them aside and and i don't think that i don't think it would have been any different if the season continued yeah i got you um if i'm being honest 
part of me thinks that the Lakers don't get it this year. I feel like that um, the eighth seed would have been different. You know, like before pandemic, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies were hot. Portland really wasn't. They were kind of, you know, lame ducks, so to speak. It wasn't until the bubble that they played essentially an eight-game play-in tournament that, you know, the basically the Blazers got in in the eighth seed. Had that had that extra what is it we started they started back up in the end of July right so that was a good four months off um you know Nurkic doesn't get healthy before the bubble he's still out you know and Nurkic in the in the eight games in the playoffs made a huge difference because you know with him paired with Whiteside you know coming in and out that really changed the dynamic of their team a little bit and how they played Carmelo Anthony um, was shooting the ball really well you know, Lillard play out of his mind, by the way. I think I've never seen a player play better in such a short stretch in my life. I thought that was incredible. But anyways, yeah. though, I, I think the eighth seed would have looked different. I don't, I don't know if the Lakers would have maintained the first seed um, in the West just because of, again, like I mentioned, the Clippers were still really good. They were still – they were number one in the West up until we finally outsed them by one game. Um and yeah, I, I agree with your Paul George take that he just him and Kawhi they took so many days off, and you know Paul George probably felt like more of the star than Kawhi. And but again though, that team had a really deep bench. You had Lou Williams that was still really good. You have um, you had Harold that was coming off the bench, who was basically the sixth man of the year, and he earned that before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Kawhi Leonard was I I feel like Kawhi Leonard was more locked in pre-pandemic because the Clippers were one of the teams that uh, had actually voted to not start the league back up. They wanted to shut the whole thing down. So I think what went against the Clippers is they went into this bubble not wanting to go in the first place. So they weren't really trying to strive for that much. And you can tell by their bubble play, like they were just, they were just kind of going through the motions. And then when they get into the playoffs, they went through the motions. I mean, Dallas took them to six games without Porzingas. And, you know, they get bounced in the second round by Denver, who was down three to one, you know, so totally lacks a days go play coming from a team that didn't want to be there in the first place, in my opinion. But would I would I think, though, that the Clippers would have main would have gotten back first place somehow by going on like a mini run before the pandemic? I think so. Um, I, I think the Lakers may have gotten would have gotten bounced maybe in the second or the third round. Um. But it's, it's hard to say, though, just because, um, you know, there's a lot that we don't know what would happen. We also didn't have Avery Bradley in the bubble, which a lot of people don't remember. I think him being on our team would have made us look different defensively, which means that we may not have gotten as good as play out of KCP. We may not have gotten the, the best play out of Rondo because uh, Bradley kind of serves as like a point guard or a, or a two guard at times. I think our offense would have looked differently. Defense definitely would have looked differently if we had Bradley. And which means we could have gotten injuries in other places. So I, I think I think there's just a lot of variables that would have said that if the season had continued to roll on without the pandemic, would the Lakers have made the champ would have um, won the championship? Hard to say. I, I, I think I would be leaning more closer to no than a yes. Um, however, though, I think that the bubble though, being started up four months after the season, you know, essentially was suspended benefited the Lakers like what you said tremendously and I think what it did was a 30 35 36 year old LeBron James got four months off to recover AD got a chance to basically get a breather the whole Lakers team which is primarily some older players with Rondo uh, Morris um, you know Dwight Howard 
uh, got plenty of rest and yeah. they still stayed very close. Like we had a lot of reports cause I follow them on Twitter. I know you do. Um, we follow them on Instagram, um, that they were always spending time together. Like they would have, you know, set program workouts individually mm-hmm. away from each other. And they were still studying film together, which some reports said, and then when yeah. facilities were able to open up, they were back together again. And like what you mentioned, during in the bubble, they couldn't have been any closer. And it looked like that on the court, very apparent, yeah. um, which is why I think it worked to our benefit. But had we not had the pandemic, had we not had the team kind of having to uh, put, themsel- put the team above themselves, um, I, I got to be honest, I don't know if um, the Lakers would have – won the championship, even if they got to the finals, I feel like if we would have gone against like a team like the Bucks, who was still pretty hot. And I know what you mean about Chris Middleton, but uh, you know, I'm also, we're assuming that, you know, Eric Bledsoe doesn't get four months off to where he gets out of rhythm. Um, you know, uh, Brooke Lopez doesn't have four months off to get out of rhythm because he was shooting it really well before the pandemic started. Um, there's just a lot of variables with that team where they looked the strongest in the league. And of course, when we all get reset back from the pandemic, we have the Suns going 8-0 in the, pl- in the bubble, um, fighting for a playoff spot, and there's just a lot more variables with all that time off. So I feel like that the Lakers' chances of getting into the championship would have still been the same had they won it. I don't think would have been as good, and the possibility of them winning it would have been less likely, in my opinion. So anyways, with that, with that being said, guys, we're going to take a quick break. All right, Cody. Um, I I want to play a little devil's advocate, okay? You were talking about the Clippers didn't even want to go into the bubble. They mm-hmm. wanted to just cancel the season. Well, the other team that did vote no was the Lakers, yet they still ended up winning the championship. So you could make the case, yes, the Clippers weren't in it, but you could also make the case that the Lakers weren't in it, and then they decided, okay, we're going to get in it. And the Clippers just like, well, no. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that I don't think the Clippers would have been they I don't think they would have been out in round 2 but I do also think that the Nuggets were playing really well before the season suspended and even after. So mm-hmm. I I I just feel like you know a lot of there were teams that were affected but a lot of the teams like got together and and did their thing. And I think the Clippers were one of those teams that just like kind of fell apart. I think the Jazz kind of fell fi- victim to that as well. Mm-hmm. They were playing really well, but I think it was mainly Donovan Mitchell. And I think there was still a lot of hostility towards Rudy Gobert. So you can make a lot of cases of either or, but I just feel like the Clippers, I just feel like they – I, I still didn't think they were going to win it. I, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, well, they had so many people who could have guarded LeBron. They could have. But we saw what Anthony Davis did in the finals. It's not like Anthony Davis was crap. Anthony Davis was, when he decided that he was going to get all the rebounds, he got all the rebounds. Mm-hmm. When he decided that he wanted to be a defensive presence inside, he was a defensive presence inside. He was ridiculous. So, and I mean, he made a couple of clutch shots uh, late in games, and you know, I, I, I've, and I still feel like if the Clippers and the Lakers, the difference would have been Anthony Davis because they have guys who are who are good defenders, but guys who could not stop Anthony Davis, they, mm-hmm. they didn't. 
And so that was kind of my argument always. So, um, And then also I did want to point out, I think Bradley would have taken the minutes from Alex Caruso. I don't think he would have taken a lot from Rondo or uh, KCP. I still like your thought of maybe KCP isn't as hot as he was mm-hmm. um, uh, with Bradley. I think that you got something there. I think that is something because Bradley can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would he would have gotten – and Caruso really didn't shoot a lot. I think he went more uh, trying to go inside versus trying to hit threes all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I do agree with you there. But if we had Bradley, I, I think he's a better shooter than KCP. KCP, I think, is a better streaky shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of benefited from when he got hot. But uh, defensively, I think he's a better defensive player than KCP. So – um, you can make the argument that maybe the defense would have been better. Um, but I mean, well, I mean, we'll never know. <laughs> possibly. I mean, imagine if KCP Bradley were basically, you know, running a running on one and two, and then you just put whoever, you know, in at the third spot, you had Anthony and James. I mean, that, that could have been a defensive unit right there, willing, able to score. I also just think the complexity of like where maybe – how much Rajon Rondo plays just because Bradley probably would have been the one to like, for example, Bradley probably would have been the one guarding Jamal Murray instead of Rondo, you know, yeah. or Bradley would have been probably guarding um, Harden. You know, I, I think that Bradley would have been more of our disp- our defensive specialist and our defense would have looked a little bit different. We, our rotations might not have been the same, um, we may not see Caruso out on the floor as much like what you mentioned. I, I, like I said, I, I do think that it would have changed a little bit. But a lot of things to consider, too, is one of the reasons why, and again, just to, to kind of play devil's advocate back to your point about the Clippers, is the Clippers beat us two out of three times before the pandemic started. And what it was was it was their um, disruption with our offense, even with AD, because um, Bradley was just all over the floor and he was just able to you know get offensive rebounds and, and basically get – in between the Lakers when it came to boxing out and getting those rebounds, um, which led to second chance points. I do think that let's say, for example, there's no pandemic to stop the league or to, you know, to stop the season. I think players like Lou Williams wouldn't have gotten cold. I think, um, you know, like Harold wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have been away from the team for three weeks in while the season has started and then came back late. And then you can just see the continuity isn't there. I feel like that, they would have put up a, a, a – I feel like that the Lakers and Clippers would have met probably in the conference finals. And I feel like the Clippers might have edged us just because they had a deeper bench that was younger. And that's my thing. That's, I'm not saying that the Lakers and, the, and LeBron wouldn't have elevated. I mean, LeBron James always reaches another level. But also, too, another thing to remember – you're, like what you mentioned, everybody had four months off. I know that the Lakers, one of the teams, just like the Clippers that said they didn't want to, you know, they were okay if the season were to cancel or whatever. However, now not only does the question become would the Lakers have won the championship, would LeBron have been able to carry his team like they did if he didn't get those four months off of rest to then just push for the last three months of the season, I guess is also another question. You know what I mean? Now we're, now we're saying everybody else's um, – chemistry that they had had to start the season all the momentum that every other team had had and also continuing playing throughout the season because I think like not all the games were played of course we were missing like what is it like 
20 something games. So you add in those 20 something games leading into the playoffs with no rest. Would the Lakers have then won the championship? I guess is why my question. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm more along the lines of probably a no. I think the rest was a big, was a big help. Um, but again, though, we have LeBron. So really like that's our hugest wild card. Like LeBron would have probably got us there. We would have either lost it or won it. I feel like we would have gotten there one way or the other. I just don't feel like our chances of winning it would have been as great as they were when we got into the bubble. Yeah. So I, mean, I, had, I had also picked the Lakers to win it all in the beginning. So yeah, you did. I do recall. Um, I, I still, I mean, I'll always say that I still feel like they were the better team than the Clippers. I think the Clippers were kind of that small ball. And yes, we saw that there were times where the Lakers kind of struggled with it, but overall they, they really didn't. I mean, yeah. Especially in the postseason with Rockets, like yeah, the Rockets got a game, but after that, I mean, the Lakers were just—they didn't let the Rockets do anything that they wanted. I mean, yeah, Westbrook was trash. I mean, even Harden had a couple of times where he just—he was nothing. And so, it—I don't know. I mean, it, honestly, it's all speculation now, and the Lakers are champions, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but I do know you have another question, so. I do. So with all that we've been talking about with the pandemic shutting down the season, like we mentioned, you know, we just had the big debate right now, if the Lakers even still would have won the championship. I have another question that kind of leads into this. Does this Lakers 2020 finals championship, is it less meaningful because of the stoppage and being in a bubble in isolation with no fans? Does this championship, is this championship less meaningful or is it, as or more meaningful if the season were to have carried on? I think it's equal. I think it's um, the same. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is every team got four months off, as we talked about. Um, they gave the teams that were still in playoff contention a chance to get into the playoffs. And we saw – and the, what was great was the added game uh, with Memphis and Portland – uh, to get into that eighth spot. Honestly, I thought that was a great game. That was probably one of the better games in the playoffs that we saw. Um, obviously, there were, there were other great games, but that one was really good, and that's what really kicked off the playoffs was that game. Mm-hmm. Um, the the storylines were pretty much the same. Um, and as we said before, a lot of these guys were were more focused on basketball. And I know you had mentioned you really liked the uh, the bubble. You liked that it was a neutral site. You thought that was really cool. I like it as from a standpoint of these guys were all focused. These guys were all in on basketball. There was nothing else they could do. That basketball was it or you just like stayed in your room. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers proved that when it's all about basketball, this is a tough team to beat. This is a tough team to to be, you know, more than once, mm-hmm. you know, the heat, the heat even almost lost. I mean, they left Danny Green wide open. If Danny Green hits that three, it's it was over. It was over. They lost. Five, yeah. yeah, they only lost one game in each of their rounds. I mean, one game. But with Danny Green missing it, they lose two. I mean, you know, it was... It was quite a performance. I think the Miami Heat came together at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it was a success. I, I, I really do. I think 
it wasn't where you could look at it and go, oh, well, this wasn't fair mm-hmm. because it was always a neutral site. It wasn't like one team got home field advantage a little bit more. It was just basically on the on the score, there was one team that was on the bottom and then the other team was at the top. And then after two games, that team was now on the bottom and then the other team was on the top. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was really the only difference. Um and like maybe in the beginning of it, and I think this is what was beneficial as well of having the, them play like eight games before they actually went into the playoffs was, you know, there might've been a little bit of nerves. Hey, how is this going to be, you know, with no fans? But I think eventually like deep in the playoff run, it was like, we forgot about, it. there was no fans. Like we were just focused on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the games looked honestly. Sometimes the games looked better. Like a lot of the guys, it didn't seem like they could miss. I mean, mm-hmm. LeBron was shooting threes like crazy the last two games against the Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was. I I don't think it's. I don't think it's a tainted championship, and I don't think it was a better championship. I think it's very equal. There were challenges that came with the bubble, but there are also challenges that there are different challenges that go with. Act, you know, winning a uh, regular NBA Finals. So, mm-hmm. for me, I think it was a success. I agree with you. I think the bubble worked. Um, would I want to see it again as a fan, like wanting to go to games? I would much rather have them, you know, be going coming home. But mm-hmm. I can also see the argument of you having a neutral site. So, um, I, I, I liked it, and I I don't think it's I don't think it's better, and I don't think it was worse. I think it was just as good. I think especially with the Lakers winning this title and it's, then the way that the season played out with, you know, basically the Lakers starting off, them being hot with AD, pandemic starts, they kick right back up, they get a little little rocky to, be, to start the bubble and then they really kick off in the playoffs where they only lost five games the entire playoffs, So, <laughs> it, which is incredible, by the way. I think in my opinion, especially with the Lakers winning, this 2020 season, I think in my opinion, was more meaningful when they won the championship than had this regular season played out. And the reason why is because there's a lot of adversity that had to have happened for the Lakers to get to this point. And we're just going to start off with the emotions that they were probably struggling with early in the season when we lost Kobe, unfortunately, in January. That mm. laid on LeBron a lot. That laid on, that, um, laid on the Lakers' hearts a lot because of what he meant to him. And the expectations was championship or nothing. And to then, re, to then close everything up for four months, open it back up, and basically they all gathered around and they all basically came together and said, it is us against everybody else and we're going to go and win it. And that's exactly what they did. One of the reasons why, and again, you, you did mention this for me, I'm just going to reiterate why I love this bubble so much. And I wouldn't say I would want the bubble for the entire regular season. I would probably want it in a playoff setting. I probably more or less want it in the conference finals and the finals, like in a final four kind of a setup. And I think why is because one of the things I really loved about the bubble was take away the fans, take away all the other stuff, all the distractions. It was two teams that deserve to be there being playing their absolute best against each other all you had was the players there the coaches and the plan to execute best team wins go and i thought to me that made basketball so much more exciting because we didn't see the rockets 
you know, blow up and score, you know, 200 points because their fans energized them to shoot the ball. They had to rely on their plan to execute a play, execute their game plan. They had to rely on Russell Wilson's skill set from shooting threes because that was their game plan and seeing what happens. We saw the Blazers flourish, um, get hot, have have one of their best players come back from injury, arguably made the difference for their team to get into the playoffs, and Lakers played them hot. We played uh, the Nuggets when they were hot. We played the Rockets. We basically played the top three teams in the West that were probably the most dangerous outside of the Clippers, of course. Um, with a restarted season, again, with no fans, and all we had was the guys on the court and the plan that was put together by the coaching staff and the players to execute. The best team came out on top. And I think that's what makes this championship more meaningful. You take away, like I said, all the distractions, and you have to focus on this one thing. And the Lakers did that better than every other team with the layoff, with the distractions, with the fear of coronavirus and all that stuff. And they came out on top. And the, the way that they played basketball and especially LeBron putting the team on the back with AD stepping up when, when needed, in my opinion, I think the Lakers played better basketball in the bubble than when they weren't in the bubble. Because again, you take away the distractions and all you have is your guys yeah the game plan and your skills going against the best in the same set best team is going to win. And that's what I, that's what I felt like we got to see when we got to see Miami and the Lakers, we got to see the absolute best from the East that that came through. And I do think that the, the heat were the best to come out just because of how strong they were with their play, Eric Spolstra as a coach, Jimmy Butler, we played the best out of the East, not because they got hot and they beat everybody and they're the better team, but they were rightfully the better team because they outplayed everybody. Um, you know, their plans were there. They executed their plans more. Um, they were shooting the ball extremely well and they went against the Lakers who had the same. And it was a dogfight between games four, five, and six. It wasn't like the heat rolled over. The first two games were kind of a shellacking, so to speak, but games four, five, and six, those were dogfights. Those were, those were intense games that we had the privilege of seeing. And again, it was mono mono, no distractions, no fans to sway anything, no change in momentum. It was just the players playing their best, executing the game plan, like I mentioned, and all that. So in my opinion, the way that this season played out in the bubble makes this championship more special and more meaningful, just how it ended and how we got to this point. Woo! Throwing out seven different kinds of smoke. <laughs> Whoa, Cody, I love it, man. I, I yeah, really, man, I, I really I, think I, this bubble thing was fantastic. But yeah. again, though, that's just my wholehearted opinion on how I felt and, about it. So, and you could also make the argument of the uh, if you did like a neutral site, um, like when coronavirus is not a threat anymore. <laughs> um, you could still, I mean, people could pay, I mean, people were traveling all over the world to begin with to go see these games as it was, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if you're at a neutral site, it gives everyone an equal opportunity, not just, you know, fans from LA or fans from Miami, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. they're meeting in the middle or wherever, you know, kind of like a Super Bowl type of a thing where, right. you know, okay, the NBA finals is going to be played in, in Houston this year. So, uh, you know, if you make it to the NBA finals, your team's going to Houston, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think it was a, it was a success. Honestly, watching, uh, uh, the, uh, major league baseball postseason right now, 
they're all in one stadium and they're playing consecutive days. I love it. I think that's, I think it's good because now you know that your team is basically, basically playing potentially seven straight games Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to watch them for a whole week. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think, I think, um, the bubble was a success. I can see them doing that, but I can also see them going back to the way it was. So sure. Um, of course. But I, I agree with you. I think you saw when the best teams and the best players got together and they ha- only had to focus on basketball, the better teams were winning. So, mm-hmm. um, and I would argue too, just kind of going off what you were saying, like Denver against Clippers, mm-hmm. Denver as a team was better. Clippers as a talent, were better right but the clippers were not and like we talked about already and and i think we beat it to death now they were not they they were not coming together as a team they were just kind of playing you know and denver they had this offensive scheme they had this defensive scheme they they had what they wanted to do with jamal murray and and Jokic and and all that so I, i i don't know for me it worked i liked it would I would I love to see it again? Sure. Would I hate it if it went away? No, I wouldn't hate it. But you know, I could see it go either way. So. Yeah. Well, we uh, man, it was it was a lot of Lakers. Uh, we're pretty much running out of time, so let's just talk about the Raiders win real quick. Um, Cody, uh, it was a huge upset, and I know you and I we felt like. Uh, the Chiefs were going to win this game. I came on here and said, I believe the Raiders have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously they were going to have to get a pass rush. They were going to have to, you know, Carr obviously was a, was going to have to play a little bit better. And, you know, we're going to have to run Jacobs. Well, we pretty much did all that. We <laughs> we got to Mahomes uh, a lot. Uh, Henry Ruggs was back on the field. That was a huge, huge bonus for us. That opened the field so much. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar had had a huge uh, touchdown. Darren Waller, uh, he had five catches, 48 yards, and one of them was a touchdown. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was a big win. I mean, what, what did you think, and what can the Raiders continue to do for next week? Or, uh, I guess, in two weeks, sorry. No worries. So, I think the Raiders, what they did really well in is they pressured Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, out of his – 43 dropbacks. We sacked him four times. Um, You know, we were able to hit him about five times, but I think what we were witnessing with the Raiders front was doing, which was honestly a surprise to both of us is they were getting pressure to Mahomes and moving him outside the pocket, which is what makes him deadly. But when they were moving him, they were making him use a lot of stamina, a lot of his, um, a lot of his strength to basically keep looking down the field. And, you know, when you do that 43 times and you drop back and you've got to you know, move, you know, you got to run to this side 10 yards, the other side another 10 yards, you got to scoot up six yards or whatever. And you're doing that on every single play, it's going to wear you out. And especially the offensive line, like I know that when we want our defense to get off the field because of time of possession, it's crucial for our defense. When we are on the field for too long, we give up the big plays. But, and also on the other hand too, if our defense front is doing really well to where we are manipulating the pocket and wearing down the offensive line, then the more that you know, Patrick Mahomes was going outside the pocket, the more that we were getting to him. And Patrick Mahomes was still Patrick Mahomes. He, we did get him to throw his first interception of the season. So him and Carr both threw an interception. 
Uh, Derek Carr threw um, 347 yards on 31 attempts, so that averaged to about 11 yards per throw, where Patrick Mahomes had to throw the ball 43 times for 340, which is about eight yards per attempt. So Derek Carr threw the ball more. Henry Ruggs had, you know, a fantastic 118 yards, one huge 72-yard touchdown catch, which you and I were texting each other like crazy afterwards. But, you know, the Raiders were able to move the pocket and manipulate where Holmes went, uh, Mahomes went. Excuse me. However, Mahomes still diced us up. I mean, Kelsey mm-hmm. still had eight catches on 12 targets. But outside of that, he was the only one that had more than three catches. Um, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards had three catches and Tyree Kill only had three catches. And that was about it. Kelsey was basically the primary target, which he's always been the one to hit, to hurt us. Um, and he had a late touchdown, I believe it was, um, in the fourth quarter, which basically brought the game to within one score. But the Raiders' defense can't say enough like you know the secondary did really well in trying to play everybody in front of them not letting too many things over the top I know that you will bring this up but we need to have um we definitely need to have um Harris sit and we need to start um Jeff Heath now at safety we he was the one that picked off Mahomes but he was the one that caught the ball and and basically was the one that got in between the throw that um, Mahomes was trying to thread to Kelsey, and mm-hmm. he was able to return it. But again, we need that ball hawk that's there to find the ball and to be there when it's delivered to you know disrupt the passing and not let those big plays get get thrown. Because when Harris was on the field, we were giving up big throws to um, to um, Kelsey. We were giving him up to Hill, and before Sammy Watkins got injured, we were giving him up to him. Um, you know, Harris is a good team captain, but you know, it just seems like he's just not playing himself like he did last season. And we need someone with Heath's experience to be on the field. And I was texting you this, we need to think about kicking the tires on Earl Thomas because we need somebody out there. Who's a ball hawk that can locate the ball and, and watch the quarterback to see what he's doing, because we can't keep having Harris look lost out there in my opinion. But for the most part, the Raiders offense looked dynamic and you're right. Henry Ruggs was the big um, was a big reason. Jacobs had two rushing touchdowns, so that was a huge, huge, huge play for us. Waller was fantastic. The Raiders' offense could compete with anybody. It's just the defense we need to make sure that they're a bend, don't break to, um, you know, for us to stay in the games, win late games, score a bunch of points, and not give up the lead so much like what we did with the Chiefs. So I think those were the big takeaways for the for the Raiders in this uh, in the game against the Chiefs. I think this game proved that the Raiders have to have turnovers. They need to create turnovers to win these games. I I think it's – there's no question anymore because what did we do? We put a lot of pressure on Mahomes and eventually pressured him into throwing an interception. And and to your credit, as you were saying, yes, I, I have been wanting Jeff Heath to start from the beginning, and I think I said it on the spot. I'd rather see Jeff Heath. I know they like Eric Harris, but I think Heath is the better player. Um, And I think Heath is the smarter player. I'm sure Harris is is stronger. I'm sure Harris is a better tackler. I'm sure Harris is faster. But overall, smarts is better. And especially for our defense, we need someone who's smart. And you look at... When Nick Kwiatkowski was at the middle linebacker position, he came back in this game. 
he was a huge help. He mm-hmm. was putting us in the right position at the right time. And you look at the interception that Heath had, and not only was, um, uh, you know, just the pressure that Mahomes was getting, he was trying to thread something. Heath read it really well, and he tricked Mahomes into that pass. Mm-hmm. Heath actually came from uh, the right, uh, uh, I, I guess, if you're, if you're Mahomes looking at him, Heath came from the left side. He went to the right of Kelsey, and then he threw it because he thought Heath was going to keep going, but Heath baited him into it and realized he was going to go back to him. And so he ran over and, and snagged it. So with Jeff Heath, I thought he, he plays a lot smarter. Um, and he's the one who, you know, creates uh, the uh, – he he creates all the uh, the turnovers for us. So, um, Max Crosby had a really good game. He put mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. But one guy who really stood out to me was Cleland Farrell. Yeah. Farrell had a outstanding game. Mm-hmm. He was he was putting a lot of pressure on Mahomes. He was getting his hands. He has been really good at when he gets pressure on the quarterback and realizes that quarterback is trying to get the ball out quickly he's putting his hand up and he's swatted a few now um so i i gotta give it to uh to farrell he he did a really good job i was i was quite impressed uh littleton had a better game it was it was nice to see him and you're right when we were talking about harris he gave up a deep ball to tyreek hill the only reason they didn't give a touchdown was because there was an illegal formation by the chiefs and we got lucky on that I mean, it was the right call. It was, it was, it was a penalty, mm-hmm. but we got lucky on that. And Eric Harris blew his assignment big time. He hesitated so, so bad. And it was like, dude, why are you hesitating? You have help below. Why are you not ahead? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was, it was, and it was double coverage, and he just burned them all both. I think Jeff Heath on that play, he knows that I have help underneath. I'm going to stay on top of him, mm-hmm. and and I think he would have. Is Tyreek Hill faster? Yeah, I'm absolutely. But if you get a running start, you can pretty much go stride for stride with Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you know, I know a lot of people want to be like, "Well, Carr, you know, he finally let it let loose." You know, they fin- listen. Yes, but also look at the receivers; they got separation. Mm-hmm. There was there was huge the the throw to Aguilar uh, that was all Carr. That was all car. The throw to Ruggs, Ruggs burned his guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from Carr. I think Carr had a had a fantastic game. Yep. And honestly, I think the intercept, interception helped him because he got rid of it and he was like, okay, it's over with. Let's go. And he kept going at him. And I think he needed to – I think he was playing conservative a little bit the last two games because he didn't want to turn the ball over. And now he finally got that, that turnover, like that first interception of the year. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, that's out of the way. And I think he felt better that he didn't have to worry about not throwing an interception. I think Gruden was like, hey, keep going, keep going. Um, and it was a bad throw. It was. He overthrew it. I think he got a little – but after that, he settled in. Yeah. Um, Rugs with that huge touchdown, obviously Aguilar – uh, Waller caught one. He had a big, ke- a big throw to Hunter Renfro, like down the middle, which was great. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it, it was a great win. The defense put a lot of pressure, but here's the thing. I still want Gunther fired because we still gave up 32 points mm-hmm. and we really controlled the game. After we were down, what, 14-3, 14-0? After that, we pretty much controlled the game, but our defense kept letting the Chiefs back in it. Mm -hmm. And for me, as much as, yes, Gunther got these guys to go, he's not going to do it every week. I think it was there was a lot of pressure on him. Um, But I think if he's smart, he's going to play Heath. Uh, Hopefully, we can keep Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, Hopefully, he he won't get injured. Hopefully Littleton continues what he's been doing. And then uh, Jonathan Abram, he had a couple more where he like overran things. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to learn how to control himself because if he does, he's going to be a threat as well. So, Um, and uh, Trayvon Mullen, when he, he went down, uh, he got injured early in the game and I was like, Oh man, we're done. Our defense is done. But luckily he came back and he actually looked better when, when he came back than than when he was uh, starting in the game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was a good win. I mean, I'm not taking anything away. Do I see them winning, beating the Chiefs again in Las Vegas? They have a chance, but I would probably still pick the Chiefs on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully the Raiders can continue what they're doing uh, in their winning ways. I agree, too. And, and another thing, too, just to kind of talk about Derek Carr, I don't want to hear another person tweet, say anything about Marcus Mariota needing to start over Derek Carr. Are we, can we put this to bed now? First of all, Mariota is on the IR. Okay. And I don't want to hear anybody tweet. uh, I'm I almost swear. I almost swear. (laughs) I don't want to hear a single word about Nathan Peterman. I can go on a 30 minute rant cursing about what, about hating why he's even on the team even as an active roster person that could potentially play in a game. Why? I do not know. John Gruden had a brain aneurysm and had him sign a contract. Don't know why, but that, that'll be the one thing that I better not see. I would much rather throw a wide receiver, a running back, anybody, the punter out at quarterback before Nathan Peterman. I don't want ever want to see him hit the field ever. With that being said, though, Derek Carr has thrown for over 1,400 yards. He is eighth um, in active QBs out of, out of everybody right now. He's eighth in the league. He's thrown 11 touchdowns, only one interception. Only one interception. He has 30 less yards than Patrick Mahomes, uh, but he has a better, everybody listening, he has a better quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes right now. Patrick Mahomes' quarterback rating is 107.3. Derek Carr's is 115.9. Okay? Did everyone hear me on that? He also has a better completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes right now. Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball at about 64% completion. Derek Carr is at about 73% completion. Okay? Again, what we've been talking about is our defense needs to be what helps us win these games. Okay? Derek Carr obviously is throwing the ball. He's making the smart decisions. Does he have fumbles from time to time that you smack your head and say, what are you doing? Of course. The interception that we talked about was him getting happy feet. He got a little overzealous, overthrew his guy right into the DB. Didn't, ha- didn't let it happen again. In fact, threw for an additional 300-plus yards after that, after that interception. So Derek Carr is proving in week five 
that he is not the Derek Carr that everyone remembers. So we need to just put that to bed right now and stop saying that we need to bench him. He is who's going to get us into these playoffs. Mm-hmm. If our offense keeps going the way it is, we keep getting the ball to Jacobs. Carr is going to get the ball to Waller. I mean, he's proven that right now. We get Henry Ruggs more involved because he's explosive and we witness his speed on Sunday. And it's going to open up the playbook for Nelson Aguilar, who's going to get, you know, a couple of receptions, but could be a potential touchdown waiting to happen. The Raiders are on the right track. To change quarterbacks right now would set us back so far, it would be pathetic. So we yeah. need to put these Derek Carr debates or, or hate right now to bed. Derek Carr has proven that he has improved tremendously and that he's not the Derek Carr from, you know, last season or two seasons ago, even though that that Derek Carr still completed almost 75% of his passes, you know, which is higher than just about anybody in the league. We need to put these to bed. Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback and he is going to be the one that leads us. Do we want him to play big in, in, in crucial games? Absolutely. He proved that against the chiefs. But don't forget, there's also the other half of the ball, which is defense. If our defense gives up the leads, how is that Derek Carr's fault? Yep. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We need to put this to bed. We're not doing this Derek Carr thing anymore because he's proving that he's the reason why that we're winning these games. So, And if Waller catches a football and fumbles it, it's not Carr's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally Waller's fault, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't. I I can't add anything to that. I mean, that was that was a great rant, and it was. I tried to match your rant from it's, last week. So it's I, so dumb because everyone's like, "Oh, you know, everyone's all on Twitter when he threw the interception." Oh my god, we need Mariota. We need Mariota, and it's like, first of all, Mariota's on the IR. Second of all, it's the first quarter. <laughs> like, let's calm down, and it's his first interception. Can we give the guy like? I mean, he'd have to have a Nathan Peterman performance to actually be benched. For Nathan Peterman. Yeah, for Nathan Peterman. I'd probably have to throw another interception than what Nathan Peterman did to actually be like, okay, well, now we know we definitely can't do worse. (laughs) So, no, I I agree with you. It's ridiculous everyone calling for Carr. Listen. We ran into really good defenses the last two weeks. We show up with the Chiefs. They don't have as good of a defense. As everyone wants to talk about in the media, the Chiefs have a great defense. They have good players. They don't have a great defense, and we proved it. We showed what their weakness is, and we showed it like four times. Mm -hmm. So I think we can put it to rest now. The, The Raiders have a good offense. They're fine. Carr's good. He's he's the quarterback that they need. Mariota would not have made those throws. He can't make some of those throws. He's not accurate with a deep ball. That's what mm-hmm. people don't get is Mariota didn't work in Tennessee because he was always dinking and dunking because he didn't have a deep ball. Mm-hmm. Carr at least has a deep ball and he's accurate. He may not gun it in there like some guys like an Aaron Rodgers or something, but God, right now, who would you take, Derek Carr or Drew Brees? Drew Brees looks terrible. Except for Monday yeah. night, he looked pretty good. I don't know. I still didn't think he looked that good. I no, mean, I mean, Justin you can definitely tell age has got up to him. But, I mean, yeah. if we're asking talent levels in this season, yeah, I think Derek Carr's going to throw the ball a little bit better. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I'm done talking about this Derek Carr thing because <laughs> seriously, he's, dude, he's been killing it for us. And again, it's you know he's it, he's gotten better each season, ma- getting career highs right now in just about every category. So yeah, I'm 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 done debating with people about whether or not he should be benched or not. There's no there's not a question now. I would. I think an argument should be made, which we've done before, is the defensive coordinator needs to be fired before Derek Carr gets benched. That's bottom line. I, that's yeah. what needs to. That's yeah. what's what should happen before before Derek Carr. You know, so couldn't agree more, man. All right. Well, I think we've exhausted everything. One thing I did want to say, my me and my wife, every time that Carr, <laughs> every time Carr throws a pass that's like over like ten yards, and it's a good one, and usually it's a lot of. It's like we say it at least five times a game, like where Carr has like just a pretty throw. And uh, I look at my wife and I go, babe, car can't throw. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> this might be TMI, but I was in the bathroom uh, for the Hunter Renfro throw. And so I'm trying to watch it on my tablet and I'm trying to get it up there. But my tablet is like a like three minutes behind the actual play. And so my wife is watching it live. And so I'm in the bathroom all of a sudden. I hear her go, yes, yes, yeah. And I'm like, wow, what happened? I can't, it's not <laughs> popping up yet. And she was like, she threw, he threw it, uh, a dart to Hunter Renfro down the middle for a huge play. And I was like, oh, all right. She's all, but car can't throw. <laughs> like, You're right, baby. Car can't throw. <laughs> so that's like a, that's a joke in our house now. Like, it's just, it gets ridiculous. So every time he threw a big throw, every time we say that, then, my wife is like, okay, I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to see what everyone's saying. <laughs> she likes to hear, see what these haters are saying. So That's so funny. Okay, that's it. No more. Hey, guys, go check us out on, uh, on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we have all of it. Go check out our website uh, where you can find all the links there, and you can, you can follow us from there. Uh, go uh, rate and review and uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, if you haven't already. Um, and uh, hey, anything and everything does help. We are on the major podcast sites, that being Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, and uh, Spotify. So go check us out on that. Go check out FNX Fitness, where you can get a great workout gears, great workout supplements. And Cody can tell you how to get 15% off of that. That's right, guys. On our website at DrewCodeSportsTalk.com, we have a link that you click on called Partners down at the bottom of the page, and it'll take you to basically where FNX Fitness links are. You click on those and you use Drew Code 15 to get 15% off your total purchase when you're checking out. Their fall collection just came out, so you guys want to definitely uh, check out all those. They have brand new lines of supplements that are coming out, I think, in about a week. And I think they have announced that they're doing free shipping Uh, I think coming up next week. So definitely get up on those savings, especially the free shipping and use drew code 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Also, while you're on the website, you guys can browse around. Also leave us a, you know, a topic or a question you guys want us to cover on the show. Uh, You guys can also read Andrew's uh, uh, San Francisco giants blog. He's kind of retired it right now for the off season, I think. But uh, if he has anything, drew will let you know if he is posting anything. Um, and I think that's about it. Are you posting any more on the blog right now? No, I, I'm, I'm waiting until next season. Um, or at least until something like significant happens. Maybe I'll, I'll write, I'm thinking about having like a segment 
for about a couple of weeks during the winter meetings. If they have it, I'm not sure if they're still going to do that. Um, if you're not really familiar with winter meetings, it's basically uh, where all the uh, GMs and owners get together in one place and basically talk about, um, you know, who they basically play fantasy baseball. That's <laughs> exactly what they do. Uh, hey, uh, you know, there's a free agent here. They sign a lot of free agents there. A lot of like a lot of the baseball players will go to these winter meetings who are free agents to go sign with teams. Um, and also, uh, obviously, agents are there, too. Um, but then um, you get a lot of like interesting trades usually, too. So if they still are doing the winter meetings, I'll probably write some things that the Giants should or need to go after. Um, but if not, I probably won't really write anything until uh, spring training pops up. So. Right on. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, sorry we went a little long, but... You know, we just, we feel very passionately about everything. And uh, that's why we come to Drew Code. One more thing, everyone. We have a huge guest lined up for next week. Uh, It is actually going to be the voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs for their major sports, their football team, uh, basketball, and baseball. And that's going to be the voice on the radio. Uh, We are going to have Paul Leffler, and we're going to talk all Fresno State uh, athletics, Probably a lot about football because it is coming up here October 24th. We are super, super excited uh, to have Paul. So, Paul, if you are listening, we uh, thank you for uh, joining us next week. So, guys, you do not want to miss it. I promise you. We actually have some really good questions. We're, like, so nerding out about it. Uh, we're like, dude, we're, we're so legit. So, uh, go, please guys, if you, if you don't want to listen to this week, whatever, but listen to next week, you're going to want to, uh, Paul is, is a great guy and he's going to have a lot of great insights. So, uh, definitely check us out next week.